Arizona Sports, the local sports leader, Bigley Blast. A notable, sizable 5.1 earthquake hit San Francisco yesterday. It was not the Phoenix Suns, but it could have been. And that's because the Golden State Warriors and the Los Angeles Clippers entered the season as co-favorites to win the Western Conference. Then the Suns have hammered them both, and the reaction has been priceless. Four rings, Clay Thompson said repeatedly after losing his mind in a loss to the Suns on Tuesday, where he was ejected for the first time in his career. Decent team, Tyron Luce said of the Suns after his Clippers were blistered at home. And here we go again. To some, the Suns are cute. The try-hard team doing what they do best, succeeding where other teams don't dare to care. But maybe this is a basketball team finally expressing and atoning for the shame they felt and, by extension, the shame we all felt after that Game 7 loss last year. And they're doing it with deeds, not words. And you can sign me up for that. Either way, this is a great way to begin a new season. Even with serious long-term concerns, the Suns aren't as good on paper as they were last year. They're not as deep or as tough or as tall. Who knows if this roster could actually last a playoff series without being truly exposed. But if Devin Booker is becoming or has arrived as a top five NBA player, then the entire game has changed for everyone for the best. All right, today's Bickley Blast brought to you by my great friends at Chapman BMW who make luxury attainable. Find them online at ChapmanBMW.com. Yeah, I'm just trying to get better at my craft and and perfect my craft. And, you know, as you guys know, there's no perfect in this game. So, you know, it's an ongoing pursuit um, for life. You know, even when I'm retired and done, I'm still going to be hooping. My dad still plays every day, four times a week. Uh, It's just, it's in our blood. Um, And that's the beauty of this game. You can't perfect it. That's Devin Booker when asked the question, are you reaching a new level as a player? You can't perfect it. Um, And he's right, you can't. But you can continue to improve. (laughs) I didn't expect... We've had seven years of proof that Devin Booker is going to improve every year, Mm -hmm. and he's done that for seven years. Not a lot of guys can make that claim. Um, So do you expect it in year eight? Yes, but it's been... It's been a vast improvement overall for Devin Booker. He looks so controlled, so in command. Mm-hmm. Monty Williams talks about him scoring at all three levels, which he's doing. In the past, in the past few years where Devin Booker has been an all-star, last year an all-NBA first-team selection, finished fourth in the MVP. There were a lot of times last year where you know opponents defensively would blitz Devin Booker, and he looked like he didn't know what to do. There was a lot of turnovers. It, yeah, it, it seems like he spent his entire offseason just watching film on how to attack these blitzes. And are we seeing the most, you know, intricate blitzes so far? No, because it's mm-hmm. October. But man, it's night and day from how he's handled those in the past. Well, and and his his driving to the basket yes. numbers are relentless. Yes. And that's something that's the sign of a driven player. When when players start to get lazy, you see it in their jump shots versus their drives to the basket. Devin. Booker's doing the hard work, and he's and he's doing it on both ends. And his defense, you know, he came into the league really as a kind of a one-trick pony. He was a very polished jump shooter. Yes, and the rest has all been built by ambition. And and again, this the I, I find it fascinating the Melvin Booker tie because Melvin Booker, a former NBA player, a decent player, but he really. 
clearly has pushed his son down a really good path. In, in terms of being honest with yourself, being hardcore about your game, not never being satisfied, and, and, and until you get to the top, and and the truth of it is, there is no top, as Devin Booker just said, there is no end to it. And, and the fact that I did not know that Melvin Booker's playing four times a week, I see a lot of guys like that at my gym who are really who were once really good basketball players, and they're still getting after it. And you're like, wow, that's. That's something. Mm-hmm. And, and, and for Devin Booker to be motivated this way is very special. And, and I say this from, from my youth being formed, just being around Michael Jordan, because that's exactly what he did. Now, Devin Booker, I don't think, will get to the heights of Michael Jordan. But there are a lot of similarities, and I've been saying it for years, and people have been laughing at me for years about that. But the one real uh, – the similarity that, that just has been constant is this just this desire to continue to get better, this desire to continue to, to climb the ladder. And he's getting close. Close, man. We had the conversation earlier about in Monty Williams quotes last night about him being among the top all around players in the game right now. That's that's quite a statement. But if you were going to do an MVP candidate list after the first week and a half of the season, he'd be on it. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, it's amazing to me going back to your point on, on Devin Booker's dad. Melvin Booker still playing four times a week. Kawhi Leonard only plays once a week, maybe. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> <laughs> and he's still considered one of the best players in the world. No, we we didn't get into Tyron Lue's comments when he called the Suns a decent team. That was just dripping. The idea when Tyron Lue came out afterwards and said, "Oh yeah, they're they're more ready to play right now than we are." That's that's a backhanded compliment. There's a lot. There's been a lot of backhanded compliments. Devin Booker last night saying Clay and I are not the same kind of player. That's basically Devin Booker saying I have miles past him now. Absolutely. I'm not just a jump shooter anymore. Because they used to be comps. Yes. Devin Booker is the new Clay Thompson. Can we be talking about four rings soon? Hopefully. Well, <laughs> well, that's but see, but again, that's that, when I'm watching this. I'm like, this isn't making sense to me. And the only answer is that fire that that they that they have, but they won't talk about. But they're but they're lashing out, mm-hmm. and and the ascent of Devin Booker. Those pieces. Can can cover up for a flawed roster yeah, I mean, until you get to a playoff series, and then we're, then we're going to see. We'll see. I mean, it's it's true because it, you know the Cam Johnson as a starter experiment hasn't been going swimmingly. No, and you'd think that like if that didn't work, you'd think that the Suns would be in trouble with yes. everything going on, and and, and it's not really not missed no, a beat. And last night, early in that game, Cam Johnson got off to a very slow offensive start, as did Mikael Bridges. At one point, I think they had hit one shot combined and the Suns were leading that game. So uh, you know, the things that we were concerned about last night going into that game against Golden State, Chris Paul for one shot the ball well, looked mm-hmm. like Chris Paul again. There's been a lot of talk about this bench and credit where credit is due. Jock Landale will get a lot of the credit uh, and he deserves it. He's been really good. I've been on yeah. record, and I'll stick by it, that JaVale McGee was very good for the Phoenix Suns. Jock Landale fits this team better. I, I laughed at you when you said it yesterday, and and I'm going to have to rethink this because it, it the offense is running through him fairly smoothly when he's on the court, um, but, and he's much more fluid offensively than JaVale McGee. And he stretches the floor. And he stretches the floor a little bit. So 
again, I, I, I want to see the, the long-term effects of all that. But what's interesting to me is the team is – Jay Crowder is off in the distance, and the team isn't missing him one bit. And because the team isn't missing him one bit, there is no hurry to trade him. And not coincidentally, an NBA reporter said during the game or before the game yeah. how Jay Crowder, this is so hard for him, that he's never missed this kind of time. And he needs wants to get into the team. He's raring to go, he's and he's in the best go. shape of his right. life. So but, that, that, that tells you something. But you know what? If you're raring to go and ready to play and in great shape, you have a contract to play basketball with an NBA team. Especially since you said it has nothing to do with being benched. Yeah. 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 Uh, and also I wanted to give credit to uh, Torrey Craig's played really well off the bench the last couple games. And campaign last night was an immediate jolt of energy off the mm-hmm. bench. And the mm-hmm. Suns needed that. And I thought he played uh, yeah. probably his best game of the year. That was year. the best version of campaign. That, it was the best version of campaign. So that was hard to find anything wrong with that 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 win last night. No. They, that was a complete de- demolition of the Golden State Warriors. Coming up next, Cardinals have a little uh, wind in their sails as they head to Minnesota on Sunday to take on the Vikings. Has DeAndre Hopkins solved the majority of the offensive problems? We'll get into that and more next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings. On this Wednesday on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata Mornings. I would always say there's always been an um, optimistic outlook. Um, when you look at it, um, I think last year the 49ers had, um, like I think, a 3-5 and five record going in um, to week uh, 9. And so they just were able to get it clicking at the right moment. Um, uh, so I think there's always been that optimistic feeling going in that, uh, hey, we got a bye week coming in soon. Um, not soon, but sometime later down the road, um, get a chance to get some guys back healthy and um, get going and get that run on the roll. That is Eno Benjamin of the Arizona Cardinals talking about uh, the feeling around the team right now after that win Thursday night uh, against the New Orleans Saints where they crossed the 40-point threshold for the first time in quite some time and the first time under Cliff Kingsbury. The offense got a little confidence. The defense did not play well outside of forcing turnovers, but when you can score two touchdowns in a game, that does something for the defensive confidence. Um, and what Eno talked about there, Bick, is is something that needs to be reversed. Uh, and he brought up the San Francisco 49ers as an example. Mm-hmm. The Cardinals the last two years have been first-half teams um, in games and in seasons mm-hmm. and have not finished well. Can they flip that script this year is the big question. Uh, you know, uh, a lot of people point to, to DeAndre Hopkins being back as the the final ingredient to this struggling offense. Mm-hmm. DeAndre Hopkins was fantastic in his first game this year. Does he fix everything? No. And now we always talk about this this never-ending chess match between defensive coordinators and offensive coordinators, and in this case, Cliff Kingsbury, and how he has responded to adjustments against him and his mm-hmm. offense. And it hasn't gone very well, especially in the second half of seasons. That's that's the biggest burning question for me. Without a doubt. Teams are going to try to take away DeAndre Hopkins and make the other receivers like Rondell Moore and Robbie Anderson and Greg Dortch and A.J. Green, if he's on the field, beat you. The So... 
fundamentally, when you look at, at the Arizona Cardinals, we have heard going into the season that they that they spent a lot of time trying to diagnose what went wrong and why we keep seeing second-half collapses. Mm-hmm. We've been given no answers. When you relate it to the Phoenix Suns, we all know that even though we were not given answers about the Suns, they knew what went wrong. Clearly, they knew, and it's they're just not sharing that with us. And again, they're on their revenge tour this year. We'll see how it goes. Do the Cardinals really know? why they continue to collapse in second halves under Cliff Kingsbury, and is the solution to it really uh, lightened workloads all across the board? Howard Bolzer, he... (laughs) I haven't said that in a while. We're so ridiculous. (laughs) Or maybe I'm just ridiculous. Howard Bolzer tweeted out yesterday, it it caught my eye, that the Cardinals cut, what, 40 minutes off their practice time today? And he's like, on a Wednesday? Work smarter, not harder, Beck. Right, right. But but there's been a lot of times when this football team hasn't looked prepared. And, and so you're like, okay. And so I call that time September. <laughs> it seems too simplistic <laughs> that the solution to doing better later in the year is doing worse in the yes, beginning of the year. Yes, it, yes. Thank you. But a lot of people are grasping onto that. Okay, well, you know what? Yeah, maybe it's just going to flip magically. And it's like, okay, it doesn't really work that way. So I think that I, I think the the key to this. The key to this is is quite simply this. Either this offense continues to evolve as the season goes on or it doesn't and if you and if it doesn't, which I don't think it has in recent years, you better have DeAndre Hopkins on the field. Uh-huh. And if you don't and you don't evolve, you're smoked. And that's what we've seen. And so this is it's just fascinating to me to see this impact that Diop has on this team and this quarterback and this offense. I, I'm not sure I've ever seen anything like it. Yeah, I mean, it, it's only we're only a week into this, but all the talk of well, Hopkins is coming back, the offense is going to change, and you're like, no, it, it can't change that much. It's looked horrible. Mm-hmm. They got no clue on what they're doing, and then you see the offense actually yeah. respond and look like an NFL offense right. again. And it, it, it's a, it's two sides of the coin there. Yeah. On one side of the coin, you're thinking, wow, DeAndre Hopkins is really good and really important. And, and I can't get past the other side of that coin, which is why can't they scheme against or scheme around not having him? That's, very that, few players that's play the, uh-huh. every game of the season. That's and that's that's what gives you pause because you would think that if there was really something to this system, it wouldn't be so bad without him, especially when you had all these months to prepare. It just doesn't make a darn bit of sense. But if if we're going to be the optimists here, at least uh, coming off a of victory, I, I, here's what I look at. I look at um, the fact that Marco Wilson and Isaiah Simmons, two much maligned players, have put forth very, very impactful plays last week. Marco Wilson winning an award the way he did surprises me a little bit, but the optics of it, I think, really kind of inflated his candidacy this past week, and good for him. It's something certainly to build on. I also take confidence in what I saw in that offensive line with the return of Cody or the emergence of Cody Ford, who was acquired, and and Billy Price at center, because to be quite honest, this team was really struggling with Max Garcia and Sean Harlow. They were. And so how does this all translate on the road against the Vikings? Because if we're going to be real and we're going to be honest and objective, we have to recognize that Thursday night football comes with a whole lot of stuff that may never be seen again. It's just it's a freak show is what it is. 
and it worked for the Cardinals last week, as it often does for the home team. Now do it. Now you've had a a lengthy, chunky break. Now do it against a a good team in the Vikings, and now now you're now you put yourself in a really good position. They've had a longer break than the Cardinals have. It's true. I mean, they're they're five and one off a bye. And listen, and and Byron Murphy Jr. He's 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 faced and face guarded a lot of good receivers this year. I don't know if Justin Jefferson, if anyone's better than him. From a production standpoint, it's hard to argue. The guy is impossible to stop. And then there's Adam Thielen on the other side, and there's Dalvin Cook in the background, and then there's Kirk Cousins, who you never know what you're going to get. He can he can roll really hot. He can throw the ball all over the field. He can he can turn it over. Um, I, so I give the Cardinals a good chance here, but they've got to they've got to be able to translate what they did on Thursday to to some more coherent offense. Well, and that's one thing they haven't done yet this no. year is string together two victories either. Yeah. They've had two consecutive losses. They haven't had two consecutive wins. Now, just yet. if you get your doors blown off, if you lose in Minnesota, now here we go again. You're, you're two games under 500 again. You're facing another must win game again against the Seahawks. Against a team that's already beaten against you. Against a team that's already beaten you. You lose that. Now you're three and six, and now you're spiraling again. So they're, they're not on solid ground just yet. And if you lose to the Minnesota, that's two losses in a row on the road. And you sort of take that narrative away that. Okay, they're not that good at home, but at least they're great on the road. Yeah, so you don't want to start that trend. And it's a head-to-head loss to a team that may eventually, be, you know, be in the, in 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 the wild card situation. Even though it looks like they might be running right away with that division, mm-hmm. so you know, it, it's they're, they're all big from this point forward. Yep, you can text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at six twenty six twenty right now. Coming up next, our weekly visit with the legendary voice of the Phoenix Suns, Al McCoy, joins us straight ahead. It's Bickley and Murata mornings live from the Auction Community Studios here on Arizona. Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Susan, CP3 for three. Al, about the Suns. Hall of Famer Suns broadcaster Al McCoy calls in to talk Suns with Bickley and Murata. Suns win. The Suns win. Al, about the Suns. Yeah, Al McCoy joins us every Wednesday to talk Suns basketball, and we've got a lot to talk about from last night's game, and uh, Al joins us right now on the Arizona Sports Line. Good morning, Al. How are you? Well, good morning, guys. Uh, quite a basketball game last night, but an impressive win for the Suns. No question about it. Yeah, and, and not only last night, and we'll focus on that one, but the last two games, Al, with the Suns in Los Angeles on Sunday night, taking down the Clippers, who are a very, very popular pick to win it all, and then coming back at home and and beating a, a Warriors team, a defending champion Warriors team with all their big guys in the lineup. I mean, th- those are two early season statements by the Suns. No question about it. And I, I want to mention this because I, I want to get it in. Um, we can look at all of the numbers last night, and you certainly have touched on them. Uh, your two centers, what did they do? Well, D.A. had a double-double. Uh, Landale comes in, celebrates his birthday with 17 points and 7 rebounds. We were all concerned about Chris Paul's shooting. CP had 16 points, 9 assists. He had 4 three-pointers and 5 tries. And oh yes, Devin Booker, who was hounded by Clay Thompson, only scored 34. But the point I wanted to make, in the third quarter... Uh, the Warriors went into their thing that they usually do to disrupt teams. Mm-hmm. They were grabbing and holding and knocking down and going nose to nose with referees and complaining and shouting. And you know what? 
The Suns just got back on their heels and watched them, kept their poise, and destroyed them. And that, to me, was one of the biggest things about the victory last night for the Suns. Al, you just made the hair on the back of my neck stand up. I love it. Um, When you take a look at this, look at Devin Booker for a moment here, because Monty Williams said this guy's playing about as good of a well all-around game as you're going to find in the NBA. You've seen a lot of great players in your time. You've seen a lot of basketball. Is he is he getting up and up and up that to the top of that ladder? Well, I don't think there's any question about it. And I have to mention, as you know, the Suns are kind of celebrating that team back in the 90s. And KJ, Kevin Johnson, was at the game last night. And, of course, as you know, one of the all-time great point guards of the Suns back in the 90s. And I watched KJ. And you know what? He had his eye on Booker. And I can't tell you how many times Kevin Johnson jumped up with his uh, arm in the air and applauded the play at Booker. And I think that says quite a bit. Yeah, we're talking with Al McCoy, as we do every uh, Wednesday here on uh, Bickley and Murata Mornings. Let's focus more on Devin Booker. And, and I touched on what you just brought up, too, uh, Al, about you know the Suns maintaining composure. And I think that was a big key to the game. But yeah. I think we're at the point now where, where that process starts with, with Devin Booker. Uh, if he is setting the example for this team, I think others are going to follow. And yeah, look, it sounds silly to say something like this through four games of the season, but if there was a four-game MVP in the NBA, we'd probably be giving it to Devin Booker, or at least he'd be in the conversation, because again, he's elevated his game to a different level. It, it, it's amazing to watch. Well, there's no question about it. And when you look at uh, at Steph Curry, he had 21 last night. Uh, He had four three-pointers. But he was never a factor in the the game. And uh, uh, Booker is just playing with so much confidence right now in all phases of the game. He's scoring. He's defending. He's uh, getting some big rebounds. And he's right on top of his game. And we certainly don't want to not mention how the second unit, I never called them the subs, the second unit has come in in the last few games, last couple of games particularly, and really found their spot. Uh, we talked about Jock Landale, and I couldn't uh, help but be uh, even a little surprised that my friends that are the broadcasters for the Warriors after the game just saying, boy, what a pickup that guy is. He just knows where to be on the floor and what to do, what he is going to contribute, and, and that certainly is true. But that bench, Torrey Craig, Cameron Payne, Landale, Shamit, Lee, all have seemed to have found their way mm-hmm. and have been able to really contribute, and that's huge. Yeah, I really hope it lasts because that, to me, seemed to be one of the weaknesses of this team going into the year. What does it say to you that, that, that Devin Booker was able to get into Clay Thompson's head the way he did last night? Well, because he was so effective on both ends of the court, the way he was able to score from outside, the way he was able to get that quick look to drive the ball to the hoop, every phase of his game, Devin Booker, was just seeming to mystify Clay Thompson. And uh, even though he tried grabbing and holding and doing everything else he could do, he could have been thrown out of the game earlier. In fact, uh, we mentioned on the broadcast much earlier, the way Thompson is uh, being allowed to play defensively, he should be thrown out. Finally, he was. But uh, I I think just the fact that uh, uh, D-Book is just so on top of his complete game, um, he's maybe handling the ball a little bit more, uh, which Coach Monty Williams wants to happen, and that seems to be working a okay. But it's just uh, 
really amazing. And, you know, we talked about it so much over the last two weeks that uh, we had some concern because the Suns didn't really get that quality playing time in preseason. Mm-hmm. And I was concerned about it. I thought, how are they going to come out to start the season when they really haven't played together? The second unit hasn't played together. But I'll tell you what, they've surprised a lot of people, including me. The legendary voice of the Phoenix Suns, Al McCoy, our guest here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. Going into this season, obviously, Cam Johnson's uh, increased workload, now moving into the starting lineup, was talked about a lot. More responsibility for him. Uh, and he's been, uh, for lack of a better term, Al, he's been roughed up. He took another tough shot last night. He's he's had to deal with a lot of physical play, but he's persevered through it. He's been in there every game. The, the offensive numbers aren't what they are, but what, what have you seen early on this season from, from this version of Cam Johnson? Well, I think you've hit on it because the opposition knows you've got to play Cam Johnson physically. Now they're doing that, and he's going to have to learn to respond, and uh, it's going to take some time. I think the way he's being utilized by Coach Monty Williams is good, pulling him out and letting him get a little time with that second unit, maybe to get a little more confidence in his shooting, but it's going to be a little bit of a project. The plus has been that Torrey Craig has been able to come in and get his 10 or 12 minutes and be uh, competitive Mm -hmm. and play well. But Cam Johnson is going to be a little bit of a project, and I think we all knew that going in. Why do you think Jock Landale is such a good fit? Because you're right, offensively, the offense goes through him very seamlessly and fluidly, and he can step out and stretch the D a little bit. Tell us about that fit from your eyes. Well, I think a couple of things. I think the fact that he has had some quality professional playing time in Europe, we know that. He came up in Australia uh, learning how to play the game correctly. And then he had some time in San Antonio. Maybe we have to give uh, Popovich a little credit. And I mentioned, I think, last week when we talked about him, that when I saw him with San Antonio against the Suns last year, I said, you know, this guy has some ability. Uh, He knows where to be on the floor as a center. He also can hit the three. We don't want to overlook that. And he did that last night. So I think uh, uh, the learning process for him has been correct. And I think now, really for the first time, he's getting an opportunity to show that. And he plays with a lot of confidence. And we had uh, a jock on our postgame show last night, and he just reiterated the relationship that he has with DeAndre Ayton, how these guys work together, practice together, play together, respond to one another. And, boy, that, that's, that's great. When you have two centers that uh, have that confidence in one another, it's a tremendous plus. I don't know if you heard what D.A. said after the game, but he couldn't believe Draymond Green pulled that dirty trick and tried to pull him down on top of him. That's, that's amazing that the Warriors felt compelled to go there that early in the season in a basketball game. Well, that's uh, that's what that guy does, Draymond Green. And as I said, to me, the way they came out and played in the third quarter with those tactics and the Suns just kept their poise really meant a lot to me. It meant a lot of maturity for this Phoenix Suns basketball team right now that they need. Yeah, it was a lot of fun to watch, a lot of fun to listen to your calls this yeah, morning, great Al. Call, Al. Always good to talk to you. We'll do it again next week. What do you say? 
and it's the start of a home stand. So uh, six games in a row here at home should be fun. Yes, should be. We'll talk to you next week, Al. Thank you so much. Al McCoy, the Hall of Famer, legendary play-by-play voice of the Suns, joins us for Al About the Suns every week here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. Coming up next, have two great quarterbacks lost their joy for the game? Another Hall of Fame quarterback might think so. That is straight ahead here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata. It's definitely not just one play here or there. Like I said, it's you know twenty percent of the time. If if we have fifty plays and we have ten mental uh, misassignments or mental errors, that's twenty percent of the time. So that's way too high. You know, in the past, we're looking more like at uh, you know less than ten percent. So it gives us you know a really good chance to be successful. Twenty percent that's too high. You know, that's you know that's a, you know one play a series where you're really making it tough on yourself. So we got to fix that. And whatever that is, I think you know guys who are making too many mistakes shouldn't be playing. You know we got to got to start cutting some reps. And maybe guys who aren't playing. Uh, Give them a chance. That is Aaron Rodgers, quarterback of the Green Bay Packers, on his most recent appearance on the Pat McAfee show. Players need to be held accountable for their mistakes. But not me. They need to be held accountable. Not me. Y'all need to fix yourselves. His numbers are way down. (laughs) Are his numbers way down because of the mental errors of everybody else on the team? That's the big question. Aaron Rodgers does not look like the same quarterback. What happened to Mr. Relax? Yeah. Right? No, he doesn't. And and again, I see, he looked really he looked really alarmed after the game on Sunday. And you should be. I mean, you lose at home to the Jets. Just per, and the Jets are playing really hard. They're balling out. I'm not trying to uh, to to clown on them, but it just perceptually, that's not a team that's supposed to go in Lambo. That's like Steve Wilkes going yeah. in and beating the Packers. The in Jets Lambeau. won that game against Green Bay. And in the process, Zach Wilson completed three passes that went five yards or more in the air. Wow. And I think the longest was six yards. Again, that's the nature of the beast right now. Right. And so I think what's happening now is he's looking at this game against Buffalo, which some people think is the best team in football, and he's thinking, I'm going to get pummeled. And so he's getting out ahead of this. I better plant the seed about all these young kids making mistakes. Yes, that's that's exactly what he's doing. It, what he's doing is just the opposite of good leadership. Yeah, what, Isn't this the Kurt Schilling move? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? What we are seeing uh, yeah. from Aaron Rodgers and what we're seeing from Tom Brady, no, two examples of quarterbacks who don't look like the, themselves, but also not all on them. They are t- they're playing on teams that have a lot of issues. Uh, Kurt Warner, who we just had on our show recently, Hall of Famer, former Cardinals quarterback, told People Magazine, listen to this quote, quote, I think both of those guys in Rodgers and Brady look like they're exhausted. It's okay to go, you know what? It's not how it used to be. I may not be who I used to be, or it's just too hard overall to get everybody up to the standard. Maybe it's time to walk away. It's not being defeated. That's not saying you can't do it anymore. I just think sometimes that stuff outweighs the joy of the game, which is what it uh, looks like is happening for those two guys, and I feel for them. Now, Kurt Warner was up there in years when he walked away from football, but he was also still playing at an incredibly high level for a playoff-caliber football team. I will maintain, and we've talked to Kurt about this before, The second-to-last game he ever played in the NFL Mm -hmm. was probably his best game ever. How about it? 
And then they went on the road. The Cardinals went on the road to New Orleans, and 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 he got you know beat up physically, and that determined helped determine his his future. Yeah, but he walked away he with did, a lot left in the tank. He did the ex- he did the exact opposite of what Tom Brady did. Yes, he took he took concern from his wife think, and, yeah. and said, "Okay, honey, I'm done." I thought you were going to say, he let his hair go gray? No, no, no. <laughs> no listen, I mean, there, that, that hit was just, it was a, it was a real awful visual. It was terrible. And his wife was in the audience, and, and, and they've got a, f- a phenomenal relationship. And she's like, how much longer do you need to be doing this? And he's like, you know what? You're right. I don't. And that, that I think, is the lesson he's trying to share, particularly to Tom Brady, who's making the exact opposite decision. What do you still – what do you need to prove? Yeah, If you look at Tom Brady now, in these last few press conferences, he, he looks terrible. And this is a guy – this is TB12, right? This is Mr. Ponce de Leon. <laughs> Found of you, Brady. Yeah, right, right. Uh, and it's just it, – it's it, it is kind of pathetic – Here's uh, more from Aaron yeah. Rodgers from Pat McAfee about you know trying to stay optimistic that these young guys that keep making all these mistakes 20% of the time will turn it around. Yeah, I mean, I'm too big of an optimist. So I, I really oh, yeah. think the best in people, and, and I expect that high level. So for me to go out there and think, oh, man, this dude is guaranteed not run the right route. I have no idea what he's doing. I don't, I don't think like that because I just have an expectation that you know we've had these conversations for months now about certain things and they're going to recall in the moment and and I know they're going to do the right thing and we're going to make this work. So I just have a lot of optimism when I'm out there. Now sometimes they test my optimism for sure but uh, but you know there's always the, it's the good with the bad. You know how do we get them to really lock in on those positive things and take those with them and then play with that confidence. You know play with that confidence that they that the young players had at their colleges when they were the man. You know they were the BMOC. Oh you know, they were coming through every single every single week making plays. We can get them to play with that type of confidence. Then I expect some some better better results. There's so much uh, that smacks of these whippersnappers are really oh, testing my patience know, right it's now. Really, I, I'm sorry. I'm just it, that is just so cringeworthy to me. Yeah, but, it might be accurate, but it's so it's so void of leadership. It's so. Uh, well, look at just the examples in football with Brady and Rodgers. Mm-hmm. With LeBron James in basketball, and and maybe to a degree Kevin Durant in basketball, these all-time transcendent players who, at the same time, maybe the most professional adversity they've ever faced is all happening at the same about time. About that, it's I, nuts. There's I don't know if you saw this, but uh, this this social media company called Tier Maker put out a very very funny list of NFL teams and ranked them by tiers. At the very top, I'm going to share this with you because it does have a point. At the very top there's Buffalo and Kansas City, then there's um the next tier are the Eagles and the Bengals listed as Super Bowl contenders. Third tier, Vikings, Cowboys, 49ers, quote, benefit from playing in the NFC so will likely win one playoff game. Then there's the Titans, Ravens and Dolphins playing for the right to get destroyed by Buffalo or Kansas City. Then there's the Seahawks, Jets and Giants. Holy leap how do we keep winning then the next tier which would be tier number six would be the packers and the buccaneers the description our qbs are old hate their families and can't win oh. <laughs> had to throw hate their families had in to there. throw that in there it's fair right <laughs> it's fair wait do we know how matt ryan feels about his family uh, i don't know <laughs> how they yeah. feel about he's not in that now? tier so i no. guess they get along no. very well no no 
Cardinals are two tiers below that, by the way, with the Broncos, the Chargers, and the Raiders. <gasps> with the Broncos? Mm-hmm. The Raiders? Mm-hmm. Come on, no. Mm-hmm. Hey, they played one of the most memorable games of the year against the Raiders. Um, it's it's strange. When you talk about the, the behavior of sports fans and the psychology of sports fans and I think Tom Brady's the most extreme example there is because he's playing at an age where other guys just don't play. And up until this year, played at a very high level. But there are so many people reveling in his struggles and his failure, whether it's on the field or off the field. It's almost unhealthy. Like, I talk about... Tom Brady's pathological need to keep playing football, mm-hmm. but also there's a lot of fans who have a pathological need to hate on everything and, and and revel in the fact that Tom Brady is struggling and everything. That's how much in the spotlight he's been. Oh yeah. Oh, listen, the Tom Brady fatigue it's 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 beyond the pale. Yeah, the, the fact that he's under 500 at this point in his career for the first time since 2002. That was 20 years ago. You know what's That's funny not is right. I don't remember like when Jordan came back and played with the Wizards. I don't remember fans who didn't like him reveling in seeing him at, at less than the goat status. You know, like with Brady, you're right. Like, and and we see with LeBron too. Like people take so much joy in their failures. You now know what the difference is, Jordan was smart enough to go away for a while. So when he come back, it was just the novelty if, if of Tom, having him back? If Tom Brady would have walked away after his last Super Bowl championship with the Patriots and then came back on this mid-40s victory tour, people would probably be rooting for him. Yeah. Is that a Maybe. new, relatively new phenomenon in sports fandom? You guys, please inform me. People loving to hate on the greatest players. Is that is that something that it's, has spanned all of sports? It's complicated with Tom Brady. It's I, not I, new I, for me. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, true. I feel like that's mostly what I have known as a sports fan, but I don't know if that's like with social media and feeling closer than ever to these players, feeling more accessible than ever, or that these guys are more accessible than ever. Yeah, there's, I think is that's that, part of it, too. I don't know. That's a fascinating question. I don't know if there's a blanket answer. I, I do know it's complicated with Tom Brady. There's a lot sure. of there's a lot of reasons. There's a lot of things in that story. Do you ever have stew, Jarrett? Oh. <laughs> oh. 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 It's getting to be stew weather, Jarrett. I used to go to school with a guy named Stu Weather. Stu Weather? <laughs> yeah. Did you? Stuart. <laughs> Coming up next, Sarah Gazelle will take Let's us through go. some social studies here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.